Uh, Father, we do pray and ask that as we continue to look at the book of James in this series that we're doing uh, here at Glenbrook, pray and ask, Lord, that uh, as we open your word, you will enable us to see the truth, but more importantly, uh, for us to see uh, that living authentic Christian lives is what really matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, maybe 20 years ago, my wife and I were holidaying at a place called Arawara. It's uh, on the north coast near Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie. Anyway, while we were up there, we were driving uh, our car and uh, we were actually in Coffs Harbour itself uh, and the car just died. I pushed it to the side of the road and um, I'm pretty handy when it comes to mechanical things. I got um, uh, under the bonnet to have a look, couldn't find what the problem was. Often when you look at, um, you know, uh, a broken down car and people have got the bonnet open, it, we're always expecting to find a big button that says push and it will start, but that's not the case at all um, with cars. They, they can be fairly complicated. And as I phoned the NRMA, and as my wife and I were sitting on a park bench waiting for the car to come, uh, for the NRMA to come, the, the Nissan Pulsars by the side of the road, the bonnet up, and this elderly man, maybe in his 80s, uh, walked up and said to me, do you mind if I have a look? And he was referring to the car. He went round, tried to start it. You could hear something turning over, but it wasn't going. The man went back to the car, fiddled a bit more. The car made a similar sort of noise. And he said this to me. He said, uh, he said good sir, the problem is the solenoid. Uh, and I went, oh, oh, okay. He said, have you called the NRMA? I said, I have. I said, yeah, you'll get young Vince. He'll probably come this morning. Tell him when he turns up that Bob Oakes is here and the problem's the solenoid. And I kind of thought, okay, that's all a bit odd and random. But anyway, sure enough, um, this young guy pulled up, um, um, said, hi, how are you? I said, are you Vince? He said, yes, how do you know I'm Vince? I said, look, this guy, Bob Oates, and he goes, Bob, he trained me to be a motor mechanic. He's trained all the motor mechanics in this area. I said, he said the problem's the solenoid. He said, okay, let me have a look. And he went, went round, fiddled with the solenoid. It started, he said, the car started, he said, your solenoid's on the way out. Um, I'll drive it down to the workshop and we'll put a new one in for you. And I said, fantastic. And I said, and as, as we, we went down to the service centre of the car, which was only a couple of k's away, I said to him, um, who's Bob Oates? He said, oh, Bob ran in this whole region, the NRMA, for many years, and he's a great mechanic. Everybody really respects him. He trained me, Vince, and he trained all the other mechanics uh, in this area. And he said this to me, he said, you know what? He's never left being a mechanic. You know, he was born a mechanic. He lived here as a mechanic. He'll die as a mechanic. I mean, this guy, you know, knew everything about the car and about how it ought to work. And in some ways, you know, when you reflect on life and you reflect on what people do, uh, we all know somebody in life 
that gets themselves saturated in something, that becomes the thing that they, they love, that they do. And it was great hearing this morning about the Olympic Games because some of these people have devoted their, their lives to competing. And it's, 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 it's terrible. I saw this guy talking about good stories. It's just such an awful story about some Jamaican on the starting blocks, a lady on your market said, I didn't even see a move, but they've got technology to say, oh, she moved a little bit too much on the blocks and she was given this red card slash black card and she was out and I stopped and I thought this poor lady has probably trained for years for that one minute and and it's taken from her I want to say that as we come to today's passage to reflect on the importance of actually living for Jesus there are some things that 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 James says in this passage that are crucial for our own personal growth. Um, you know, we will know people that are movie stars that we love or our own, you know, Penrith Panthers, although I go for the Rabbitohs. Um, but people always in life uh, reflect what it is that they actually are really, really passionate about. And in some ways, James today wants to really say to us, the importance of living for Jesus and what that means for us. And he says this in verse 14 of chapter 2. He says, What is it good, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And James really raises this important issue about living for Jesus in all that we do. We know what it means to live for other things in life, but do we know what it means to live for Jesus in every part of our actual being in what we do? And the book of James, as, as you guys have been looking through this series, one of the great things about it is, is that it's a very practical book and, and highlights the importance of actually living for the person of Jesus. So what good is it if someone claims to have faith but you don't show it in your actions? You know, faith without deeds is actually dead and so one of the important things that we need to learn and see is that living for Jesus is what matters above everything. Now this is where the confusion is. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 we're told this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. And that really highlights, okay, we're saved by grace, but the following verses that we don't often see is that Paul, as he writes this letter to the people of Ephesus, he's actually sort of saying that now that you know Jesus, you can live your life in terms of good deeds, not to actually save you, but to live your life and actually reflect the good deeds that God has made us to do. So this is something key, and it was said to me many years ago, Christians don't do good deeds to be forgiven. Christians do good deeds because we have been forgiven. And notice the, the importance of that response that we have to the Christian faith in terms of us knowing Jesus and how to put him first and and. Our deeds have nothing to do with our salvation. Our deeds have everything to do with actually living for the person of Jesus. Do you remember in Luke chapter 19, uh, Jesus is walking through Jericho and there's this tax collector, Zacchaeus, up a sycamore tree. Jesus says what to Zacchaeus? He says, today I'm going to come and have a meal at your house. 
Jesus doesn't say to him, listen, if you give away your money and look after the poor, then I might come to your house and have a meal. You know, it's not that at all. I mean, notice what happens with the person of Zacchaeus. His life is transformed by the person of Jesus because of that issue of the acceptance that Jesus had for him. And good deeds have nothing to do with your salvation at all. But good deeds have everything to do with us living for him. I know of a um, a group of youth group leaders um, some years ago and that some of the work that I was doing in that uh, church as a consultant, it, it came to pass that one of the girls and all the leaders decided at the end of the youth group year, it was December, they'd all go away uh, to surface paradise. And one of the girls, uh, as she was away, actually got drunk um, and got drunk multiple times. And uh, these were her peers that she was with and they felt a bit awkward, some of them, about her Christian faith and they challenged her about her belief and I never forget the girl sort of said this to the other leaders. She said, well, the kids aren't here uh, on this trip so what I do really doesn't matter. I mean, when we reflect on the book of James, we will see that it actually really, really does matter how we live, how we reflect the person of Jesus. Jesus himself talked about by his fruit, by our fruit, people will know that we will actually live for the person of Jesus. Now, I'm not sort of saying that Christians uh, don't have struggles, but one of the important things is to see that living for Jesus and letting our deeds be reflected in this is really, really important. So James gives this illustration in verse 15. Let me just remind you of what it says. He says, suppose a brother or sister... Uh, without clothes or daily food comes into your um, meeting, he says, do you just say to the person, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed and not do anything? You know, he's sort of saying that as believers, we've got to reach out for those brothers and sisters and people must see that our deeds in terms of what we do. Um, So it's really important to learn to live your life for Jesus in, in all things. Um, I know of people in this local area who do this, who teach Sunday school, who um, serve their local church and their local uh, community, they uh, help out with soup kitchens, they help the poor. Do you know Tim Winton, that famous Australian author, uh, tells the story of his own conversion to the person of Jesus. He said that uh, his dad had some motor neurone condition where he he couldn't bathe himself uh he couldn't eat um and 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 the man's life would would have been horrible some local member of the local baptist church one day when a knocked on their door and said i hear round dinner time you're struggling to bathe him and to feed him and he said to the wife and to the children let me serve you in this way and i'll do it Uh, And he did it for years and years and years. Never grumbled. Every day he would turn up and he would actually do this. And Tim Winton said it was at that point of his life he decided to become a follower of Jesus. Purely by why? I mean, obviously he might have shared his faith, but it was by his actions. It is a powerful story, isn't it, in terms of reflecting upon 
what it is that we're to do. I might get us, if you would, to go to the book of um, uh, 1 Thessalonians. And um, the Apostle Paul says these extraordinary words about these, these people that had only been a Christian um, for, for a couple of weeks. And Paul leaves them and he uh, writes the letter to the, these young Christians. And he says this, he says, We remember before our God and Father your work, listen to this, your work produced by faith. So in other words, he's sort of saying that when it comes to your Christian life, that it's, it's by our actions, it's by faith that people will know the person of Jesus. And he's, he himself is saying that we believe the message, we believed in the person of Jesus. The second thing he goes on to actually say is he talks about your labour prompted by love. So in other words, they were other people focused, they were other people centred. Several years ago, um, my wife and I were on beach mission and this lady every day would come um, at morning tea, at afternoon tea and supper. She would actually bring something that she cooked for the whole team. Um, people didn't even know where the food came from. And I decided in my, in my own brilliance, I thought, you know what, I'll thank the lady. And I invited her to come into a room and we all clapped. And she said, George, I, I really don't want that. She just said, oh, I'm happy to serve and, and, and I, I appreciate your sentiment. But there's this lady like, like wanting to actually serve us. And the last thing that Paul talks about when he writes to the Thessalonians, he talks about that your endurance inspired by hope. So in other words, they knew that Jesus, that they had hope that Jesus one day would return and we must be people that live for Jesus in all that we do. So when somebody sort of says to us uh, that they need support and care, it's not right that we just say, well, keep warm, uh, be well fed, We've got to be people that actually reach out to others. I heard of a man um, who came from Iran and he was converted. He became a Christian. And I don't want to sound flippant because I've done this myself, but this, this, uh, this Iranian man, people would always say to him, Hey, Ahmed, how are you doing? Good to see you again. And yeah, yeah we, we need to have you around sometime and have a meal. And um, I never get meet this man, Ahmed, who told me that People were always saying to him, oh, yeah, we'll have you around, we'll have you around. He said sometimes this poor man would sit by the phone waiting for it to ring so he could actually be invited around. I thought, you know, as, as believers, let's reach out, serve those and help those within our community. And so we must be authentic Christians that reflect Jesus in all that we do uh, in all of our deeds, uh, in all of our actions. And in verse 20 um, of, of chapter 2, he talks now about the issue of faith. And he talks about the importance of faith in the person of Jesus. And he gives these examples. He talks about Abraham in his age, the faith that he had in the person of Jesus. You have, you've got Rahab. And Rahab was a lady, quite extraordinarily, wasn't a Jew at all, but she came to faith. Let me tell you about Curtis, a student that I taught, 
two years ago, he put his faith and trust in the person of Jesus. So we must reflect our faith by actions in all that we do. Do you know what happened to Curtis after he was converted? Do you know within days of him being a Christian, his friends said to him, there's something different about you. You have actually stopped swearing. And it's interesting that that was the first thing that they observed about him. Within days of him becoming a Christian, this guy gave his heart and life to the person of Jesus. What about deeds? You know, faith without deeds is dead. And our belief and our actions go hand in hand. It's a bit like what the Apostle Paul writes in, in his pastoral letter to Timothy. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely. What you live and what you say must go hand in hand. I live in Anne Crescent in Blacksland. And um, I... Uh, I used to enjoy many years ago jogging and I would love, love to go running. And I never forget as I would run, um, most mornings uh, I would see this old man walk out and he had a flagpole and he had the Australian flag and he would slowly put it up every day and, and tie the knot and off he would go. And, and after months of witnessing this, I decided just to wave to him. Hello, hello. And he would wave and say hello back to me. And, uh, and one day, it must have been the holidays because I wasn't in a rush um, to, to get ready for school. And I stopped and I said to him, hello, I'm George. And he went, George, George, George. And then I realised his name was George as well. And uh, he had this deep... Uh, accent and I said to him where are you from and he said I'm from Hungary and I said oh okay I said I'm a I'm a Greek and we we chatted for a little while and I said this to him I said um George why is it that you put up the Australian flag I mean you know you're Hungarian shouldn't you put up the Hungarian flag and this is what he did he looked at me and he did this And um, I said to him, have I, have I, what have I said? And he said, George, listen to me. He said, Australia gave me a good job, gave me a beautiful wife, beautiful children. God give, has given me this house. And he said, uh, I will always be grateful for Australia. And he said, the least I can do is to put up the flag and to say thank you, to Australia. I mean, how powerful is that? And you know, every day, brothers and sisters, we fly the flag for Jesus. We put the, we fly the flag, and we must be able to actually say to people, it's Jesus that has impacted us. Can I tell you a lovely conclusion to my friendship with uh, with George? Sadly, he's he's passed away, but he's with Jesus. Um, do you remember years ago the Jesus DVD that came out and we distributed it to our communities and stuff like that? And anyway, I, um, um, I said to him, I have um, a video, a DVD on the life of Jesus and it's actually in Hungarian. And he said, I would like to actually look at that. And I gave it to him. And I decided a couple of weeks later to go visit him in his home 
and he said, George, he said, um, uh, I hope you don't mind, um, but I, I didn't watch it once. I watched it twice. Is that all right? And I said, I said, yes, that's fine. And he said, you know how at the end they said people to pray the prayer? He said, I prayed that prayer. Um, and I thought, gosh, what a wonderful heartfelt story about this man coming uh, to know the person of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, James encourages us to reflect our king and fly that flag for Jesus in all that we do. I'm not sure whether you realise this, but there are five Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and your life. And you know what, sadly to say, most people don't read the first four, but boy, do they look at the fifth one. Let me pray for us. Our Father, this is often a complex passage uh, to understand, but what you are trying to communicate to us by this extraordinary letter is for us to live for you to let people see our deeds and to see our actions. And I pray and ask, Lord, for the congregation uh, here at Glenbrook Baps. I do pray that for each of the members here would be able to, in this, in this time where there is uh, sickness, that people can actually look to you and look to the lives of all of us who know and love you, that people would come to put their faith in you at this time. In Jesus' name, amen.